So um, you got to believe. So that resonated with me. I, I always hear him say that, Mom, you've got to believe. And I think um, we just tie that into recovery um, and addiction. And so many times um, somebody who's early in, um, who maybe is in the depths of their addiction can feel that recovery is not attainable. Um, you know, but it is. Welcome to the Heart of Falk Here podcast. We're here to highlight the stories of local business owners around the area because we believe that business owners are at the heart of any community. It's not just about bringing awareness to the businesses, but seeing the faces, hearing the stories, and learning the mindsets behind the success. Now let's join our host, Austin, owner of Bedrosian Cleaning Services, with today's special guest. Welcome to the heart of Falk here. Uh, today we have a special episode um, with Moira Sater, and uh, we're going to talk about um, her nonprofit organization that she founded and runs now. Um, and let's kind of jump right into things. It's um, it's called Come As You Are Coalition, mm -hmm. so Kaya mm -hmm. for short. Um, maybe you've seen it around or any and things. Um, they have a really cool 5K coming up in a few weeks uh, that we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, but just to get started, Moira, if you could say a little bit about what you guys do at uh, Come As You Are Coalition, um, and then we'll go from there. Okay. Um, well, our mission is to connect anyone who's been impacted by addiction to support and treatment resources. Um, the other half of what we do is we collaborate with community organizations to support prevention programs in the community. So it's kind of a two-part mission. Got it. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, I know you also have uh, quite a unique story um, as to why you started Kaya mm -hmm. um, with your son Bobby mm -hmm. um, that we have a, a, a cool portrait here yeah, of. Um, if you could tell a little bit about Bobby's story mm -hmm. um, and also for listeners um, just kind of as a warning we don't we're not going to bring up a lot of specific things but if there are things that um, trigger you we are going to talk a little bit about stories that have to do with uh, substance abuse and things of that nature um, just as a, a little bit of a warning for you guys but um, also a lot of great things with hope and recovery. Mm -hmm. So um, if you could tell a little bit of Bobby's story um, and why Kaya came to be. Um, well, um, Bobby um, died of a um, heroin overdose in April of 2015. And um, I was working as a nurse. Um, I had been working for 37 years. Um, I took a few weeks off from work after he died. And I went back to work and I just had this overwhelming feeling that I didn't really belong there anymore. You know, I just mm -hmm. didn't feel right anymore. So I just really thought about that quite a bit. And I thought, well, what do I want to do? And I just kept coming back to what we had dealt with and his addiction, which spanned over 13 years hmm. when it started with, uh, you know, smoking marijuana in high school. But that was like very end of a senior year that we discovered that. Um, and then, of course, he went off to college, went to James Madison University. And so, you know, we didn't see him every day. Right. Um, but one day he called us and he was in tears and he had been up for days. Um, and it was crystal meth that he had been hmm. involved with. Um, and then one thing led to another and we discovered um, that he was using heroin, which really just got me to the core because yeah. I thought, you know, when somebody goes to injecting 
using a needle and injecting a substance into their body, it, to me it was like, okay, that's the worst. Um, and it was just like, I couldn't believe it was happening to our family. Uh, and initially I didn't want to tell anybody. I felt shame and I um, was just, didn't, you know, none of my friends, I knew none of my friends had any of this happening in their family. So all that stigma thing came into play for me personally because I didn't want anybody to know. I didn't want my family to know, my parents, um, brothers, sister. Um, so we dealt with it privately. Um, that was very hard because it was a very lonely place for me to be. Um, we did get him into rehab, 30-day um, rehab. He went back to school, again, got into problems. Yeah. Um, then he came home, um, started working, um, went to community college, ended up getting his associate's degree. How do you condense 13 years? Ended up getting into trouble again uh, yeah. with drugs. Overdosed several times. And mm. um, uh, one time um, was in the ICU on life support for three days. Um, you know, just those years are very chaotic years. He overdosed in our house several times. Um, you know, I saw the EMTs shooting him up with Narcan. Uh, it was just horrendous. Um, so, you know, interesting, I have to say this because um, it just really opened my eyes to how a drug addict struggles, but we were in this very room one evening when he said to me he didn't know if he was going to live to be very old. Wow. And that, that's what I said. I was like, wow, why would you say that? You know, he goes, I don't know, Mom. I, it's just this feeling I have. And he did say that the drugs crept into his brain, you know, his dreams at night, um, just the thought of it. So there was a lack of control. Right. Um, so now that he isn't with us anymore, I, that means so much more to me now about the struggle. Um, and I think what he was trying to tell me was he wasn't sure that he would always have the strength to fight that feeling and that struggle. And that's, so when he did die, and, and it's strange, you, I tell you, you go through all these crazy things in your brain sure. when you're dealing with somebody in your family who you love who struggles with addiction. You almost, I mean, believe it or not, I planned his funeral in my brain because I thought, what if that did happen? What, hmm. what, what if that did happen? Um, and you worry even when things are going along so well, you're waiting for the shoe to drop. There is that constant fear of what if they relapse again? You just have that worry all the time. Um, and so then when it did happen and my husband was on a trip and so I was by myself, um, it was kind of like, here it is. Yeah. Um, unbelievable, but still then that that worry was then replaced with grief, just tremendous grief, which I still have. Um, but yeah, so it's just tough, yeah. very tough. So then when I went back to work, I realized, um, you know, I just had this big pull. Like I felt like I wanted to give families what I didn't have because there was nothing around here to help. I felt very alone. I yeah. didn't know where to get help. I didn't have anybody to talk to for support. So I felt a real strong need to give families what we didn't have. 
And that was an easier way to find help. I spent days on the internet trying to find rehab, days, hmm. weeks, and somebody to talk to that knew what I was going through. Um, so that was really what drove me to start Kaya. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's a strong reason. Yeah. So, and it, I mean, it's hard enough to go reach out for help, even if you know where to go. But if you, yes. if you can't find something and you're actively looking, like that makes it that much harder. So you're working on filling that need for sure. Yeah. So. We've had, I've had people message me and say, um, can I have a friend of mine who's, uh, going through a trouble with their daughter or son call you and I said yes mm. here's my number they can call me sometimes I never get the call yeah and you wonder because it is hard for people to ask for help yeah it yeah. is um, so that kind of transitions into uh, the next part of it um, with starting Kaya mm -hmm. um, a little more of your story after this um, unfortunately a lot of people can relate with you know your story that you just told with Bobby mm -hmm. um, and then there's a lot of people who want to do something about it. They don't know how or whatnot, but you took action. And now you said uh, before we started filming, looking back, it was a little bit of a whirlwind and you didn't know what was going on. Yeah, I'm um, kind of a, <laughs> I'm a, my personality is I'm a doer. I'm very yeah. busy. I do, I'm just always busy throughout the day. Um, I'm very task oriented. So, you know, maybe that's, that's good and that's bad, um, I guess. Um, Looking back now, I think I kind of, that was my way of dealing with grief, mm. was becoming very task-oriented and creating this organization, which is a good thing. Um, but I really didn't know what I was doing. I you know, worked as a nurse, so I had no idea of what to do starting a nonprofit. So I decided to, somebody had told me about two groups. One was Healthy Culpepper um, that used to meet at the Culpepper Hospital. Um, now meets, um, well, now it meets virtually, obviously, with COVID, um, but was meeting at the Culpeper Baptist Church, and then PCR, Partnership for Community Resources, which was meeting at the Faulkner Hospital, but now is also virtual. Um, and those were great uh, networking opportunities for me because um, it's a group of nonprofits, um, and they get together, and they share information. Um, it's a great way for somebody like me who knew nothing about what I was doing yeah. to get started. I, people said, oh, you, you should talk to this person, you should talk to this person. Um, and so that's what I did. And then that's how I kind of got the ball rolling. And then initially we um, were under the Rappahannock Rapid End Community Services Board. Um, they were our fiscal agent. And so I didn't have, we didn't have our own 501c3, we operated under them as a coalition, um, but then um, I realized that I kind of wanted to get our own 501c3, so we made that application, got that done, um, that kind of was finalized in, I think, December of 2017, I think it was, but I'm not sure about that date. Um, but uh, yeah, probably 2017 was when it was finalized because we started Kaya in February of 2016. Okay. Um, so then we got our 501c3 and then we just started, I got a board together and, um, hmm. and everything, again, I'm still learning. Yeah. Um, it was not an easy process and still isn't. Um, but I'll tell you, I have met some fantastic people in the community and I really do love being involved in the community. Yeah, it's I'm been sure. great. Yeah, and you know you're making a difference 
So hopefully, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. I'm sure you are. Yeah. Um, so with your guys' mission, um, what are some different ways of prevention and healing that you guys promote or that you are active in um, with Kaya? Well, we have had our finger in a lot of pots um, in the last six years. We have, our approach is a very broad approach. Uh, We cast our net very broadly um, in prevention. So um, we have made a lot of donations to a lot of different organizations, but we feel that not only specifically with substance abuse, but anything that has to do with mental health and mental wellness okay. um, is a uh, supporting that is a prevention. Uh, uh, so we have done a lot of different things over the years. We have sent teams of high school kids to the ADAP conference at Longwood University, and that stands for Youth Alcohol Drug Abuse Prevention Project. Um, and those kids will learn, um, they get to go to the university for a week and engage with other students um, from across the state of Virginia, and they get to li- you know listen to speakers and they create a prevention project of their own and bring it back to school and uh, you know and get that started within their own school. Okay. Um, so it's peer led. It's really a great project. Yeah. So we have sent teams to do that. Um, we most recently supported a lot of uh, area high schools with their end of year activities because obviously the students were really affected by having to go to virtual learning. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And for teenagers to be disconnected from their peers is uh, very tough on them mentally. Sure. Um, so we wanted to do something to help. I reached out to all the um, area principals and said, you know, how can we help these kids? What do you need? Do they have any activities that they would like to um, have that we could help? Um, So we did help them with, um, they put on some um, different types of homecoming type parties. Everything had to be adjusted. Nothing could be like, you know, in the inside like it used to be. It was moved out in the parking lots. But Obviously, with that came increased costs of how to juggle these things, so we helped with those kinds of activities. Um, uh, Verdun, we have a very strong relationship with Verdun Adventure Bound, which is where our race is going to be this year and has been for the last six years. They have so much programming there that targets at-risk youth, um, all kinds of programs. They were on the verge of shutting down hmm. um, because of COVID, because all of a sudden they couldn't have any programs. Right. Um, so we helped them with a COVID uh, crisis grant um, to keep that facility going because it would have been a shame to, wow. to shut that down. Um, but they also have a program that they launched that really hasn't been able to get momentum um, and that's called SOAR, Project SOAR, and that's Success in Overcoming Adversity with Recovery. Hmm. That's a program that we heavily funded, and there was a lot of different community agencies um, involved in that, where addicts who are new in recovery go and learn all kinds of uh, coping skills. Um, they're introduced into how to you know, find work, you know, how to work on resumes, these kinds of things. Um, you know, there's all different uh, types of therapies um, that um, that's introduced and all kinds of uh, wonderful um, activities that they get to engage in. Um, but then, of course, they had a, a problem 
with uh, transportation. They lost their bus there, didn't? Ugh. And so we, you know, transportation is a big issue with addicts trying to get them to places because a lot of them have lost their driver's licenses. Yeah. So we gave them a grant to get a bus, and not only does it help with that program, but it helps with a lot of different programs. So those kinds of things of, um, you know, and I can go on and on. I've got lists of things that we've done. <laughs> sure. um, but, you know, it's been a lot of different things. We've also helped other community agencies, Mental Health Association of Fauquier, to train an instructor with their mental health um, first aid courses. Um, you know, we've, you know, we've engaged with, um, just even with the planning of how do, does a community deal with these issues? Um, we've been at the table to help with, um, you know, all that comprehensive planning. So, right. you know, we do try to um, be involved um, as much as we can. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, great. Yeah. A lot of good things that you guys I, work on. I yeah, we try. <laughs> yeah. <Good. laughs> We're trying. Yeah. You're kind of at the, uh, kind of at the spearhead where you're engaging the community and trying to help the different organizations that you think will do it best. Yeah, there were a lot of gaps in our community. Yeah. We realized that years ago. Um, and like I said, when I was dealing with it, uh, Bobby's addiction, there was just not a lot out there. Now, yeah. the landscape is much different now than it was, um, which is tremendous. Um, we have a lot more to offer people. Um, but uh, yeah, it was tough, but it's, you know, that was, you know, very healing for me. Um, I still have a lot of healing to do with my son's, sure. uh, the loss of, of uh, our son, but, um, but it certainly helps. You know, I think he's smiling on his yeah. mommy right now. <laughs> like to think so. Good. Yeah. So uh, along with, um, kind of this strand with, um, the prevention and I mean, also healing and everything, um, we were talking a little bit about two different stories. Um, that you know of recovery, um, people who have, you know, had the addiction lifestyle and are now, I mean, working on it. I mean, I would call it the other side, but there's always, you know, that struggle that you're fighting mm -hmm. um, to stay where you're at mm -hmm. um, on the positive side. Um, would you mind kind of giving a summary of those two stories that we were talking about? Yeah, well, our probably message of hope speakers I think about um, and we always try to get somebody from the community and we did uh, we have every year and last year we had Barry McMahon who um, has an incredible story and there was not a dry eye in the audience when he told his story very heartfelt um, Barry uh, worked at uh, McMahon's Irish pub and restaurant um, and he had a uh, he had a tough struggle with addiction. Uh, he came from Ireland. Um, he didn't have his family here. I think he did have an uncle maybe close by. I can't remember. But, um, but he struggled with addiction, with alcohol. Um, and um, as most addicts, he stumbled, relapsed several times. Um, but, you know, he, he has found he's been sober for a long time now. He started the Irish Golf Academy in Warrington. A year ago, was asked to take over the um, the golf club at uh, Fauquier Springs, and has really um, he's in a successful relationship. He said, and, "You know, yeah. he um, he definitely is a success story. Has had to work very, very hard at it, but um, was so happy to come and speak." 
um, to the participants at our race last year because he said how much he needed that in his life. Mm -hmm. And that's what I've learned is how important it is for addicts that are in recovery to give back. Right. That helps strengthen their recovery tremendously. So I was so um, thankful that he came and I had so many people afterwards ask me if I had recorded it and I unfortunately <laughs> hadn't because no. we don't do that. But, um, but he, was, he made a great impact and of course this year we're so excited to have Chris Heron, former NBA basketball player, to be our message of hope. Um, and he's got a tremendous story. Um, if anybody's, uh, I think a lot of people here are familiar with it. Um, he's been here to speak to the area high schools, both in Fauquier, Rappahannock, Culpeper, and some of the private schools um, to share his story. Um, and, um, you know, if he's had an Emmy nominated um, documentary done by ESPN called Unguarded and when I watched that I thought my gosh there's how is this guy alive yeah. how is this guy alive I mean he had so much success in his life and was a Denver Nugget Boston Celtic had the his dreams come true as a high school kid playing basketball and was able to get to where he won but lost it all to addiction hmm. um, and is amazing that he's alive, but he has dedicated his life to speaking all around our country um, and started Heron Wellness um, and has uh, a facility in Seekonk, Massachusetts, where he's from. He's from Massachusetts and now started one more recently this past November here in Warrington. Um, and that's a, um, a re recovery facility. Um, and promoting mental wellness and um, he really it's a terrific program um, so we're so blessed and lucky that he's going to come here and um, and really um, he's he's changing his story I've heard he doesn't really want to talk about his story so much okay. anymore he wants to talk about um, a more positive you know what you can do in your life right. and and be more uplifting um and so he has a, a a more of a motivational positive message okay that he's going to promote i believe yeah yeah from everything i've heard but good yeah so good. we're very excited to have him yeah, yeah. that's amazing yeah. that he's able to come and help you guys out and everything so yeah that'll well, be he's, good he's that he's been pretty connected in our community so we're really happy that he's going to come and, and be part of our event this year. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. So I have one more uh, question for you before we uh, talk a little bit about the 5K mm -hmm. and then uh, we'll be good. But um, if you have any tips for our listeners, um, either side or both, either someone who is um, dealing with addiction and trying to you know, figure out how can I get help or mm -hmm. they're just stuck at the bottom or people who um, are close with someone that is in that addiction and is um, trying to help them or someone, I guess there's a third option of someone who's, you know, mm -hmm. lost someone and they're trying to, you know, see the hope and the healing after that. Mm -hmm. um, if you have a tip for anyone who's just affected by substance abuse, um, for them 
I know that's a lot. If you just it's want to pick lot. one, if you have one tip for one well, of those people, that's good. Well, you know what? So. Uh, the one thing I want to say right off the bat is never give up on them. Yeah. You never want to give up on them. I mean, even if you look at Chris Heron's story or Barry McMahon's story, um, you know, or even just I know friends of my son, they who live locally and they're in long time recovery, and mm. they have beautiful families, successful businesses, you know what, they found, they got to their recovery. Now they work it every day. I know mm -hmm. these guys, they still go to meetings. Um, so never give up. That is the number one. I mean, I, they can frustrate the hell out of you. And you think, my gosh, you know, you know, over and over and over and over again, you feel like you're just beating your head against the yeah. wall. But at some point, you know, there, there will be, a, you know, hopefully a turning point. And, you know, they are going to, they need that support system. That is just so important, is just to never give up on them. Um, and as far as maybe a family member or anybody who's dealing with somebody who's frustrated and needs to talk to someone, um, there was a, a, a family support group, Families Overcoming um, Drug addiction? No, I'm not even saying that right. I'm, um, FODA, Caroline Falker started FODA. Okay. But that was a support group that um, started, um, and Caroline met each other because she lost her daughter right um, mm. a few months after Bobby died. Um, and, you know, we just kind of found each other, and she wanted to start a support group for anybody who needed support, and we used to meet at Falkier Hospital. Um, and that was great because, you know, that was a great place to be, a safe place to be that you could talk and everybody had a chance to talk and we helped each other. Um, and uh, unfortunately, you know, COVID's hit, um, but we still will meet with people and Caroline and have, and we've both met with people individually out at Panera or different places. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that support is still there and we are willing to meet with people. Um, we met with a, a young woman who lost her daughter and now has her daughter's child to take care of. Um, and we met with her recently and, you know, our heart goes out to this, you know, I, I can remember being in that place, um, you know, that, that really raw grief stricken place. Right. Um, but you know, there is, there is help out there. Um, and they can find that through our website, kayacoalition.org, um, and we will get them the help. Um, we're very connected. Uh, we have a lot of people that, um, that we know that, you know, are willing to talk uh, and help you. Um, we have different um, agencies and organizations that we can steer you to. Um, so we're, we're willing to do that. Great. Um, just to, you know, finish things out here, um, we want to talk about the 5K coming up, um, <laughs> September 18th, right? September 18th, it's my birthday. Yes. Hey, yeah, very cool. Yeah. Um, could you tell us just a little bit about how people can get involved with that um, and participate yeah. in the race? Well, gosh, sign up for it. We yeah. need runners and walkers, so um, you can go to our website, uh, kayacoalition.org, it's C-A-Y-A coalition.org, and there's an events page there and you can sign up to run. Um, or a walk, you don't have to be a runner. Um, and um, the gates open at 7.30 in the morning. Um, 
and the race starts at nine o'clock and we're gonna do a um, like a 15 minute start time because of COVID. We're gonna give the runners, get them off first and the walkers second, but you have 15 minutes to cross the start line. Um, and we're going to have food by Baby Jim's. Um, they, they, were, um, they had some great breakfast sandwiches, cheeseburgers, hamburgers, mm. and crab cake sandwiches. So they're gonna be back doing that. Um, we have lots of different organizations that are bringing information um, in the community. So, uh, you know, it's a great way to do some networking and finding help, people that are looking to, to get some more help and information, they'll be represented there. Um, and then um, we have some really cool t-shirts that we're giving. We're going with a long sleeve t-shirt this year. Okay. Um, so that's really neat. And um, But you've got to sign up by this Friday, September 3rd, in order to be guaranteed a race t-shirt and a race bag. Uh, Chris Heron, of course, is going to be our uh, message of host speaker. Um, we'll do awards first, and then we'll do uh, we'll have him speak after that. Um, so our time schedule for that is probably around 10:30 for awards, and okay. between 10:30 and 11 for Chris to speak. But this is our sixth race, um, and so all of this the proceeds will go to funding the pre- prevention programs in the community. Great, that's amazing. Good. And rain or shine, we're having it. No, hur- right. no hurricane's going to stop us. No COVID's going to stop <laughs> no. us. We're going to have it, but we're going to be, uh, you know, have things spread out, and we're taking lots of COVID precautions. Okay. Yeah. So. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Good. And uh, I got to ask one more thing. So on all of your Kaya stuff, on all the 5K stuff, you have the Sasquatch uh, with the headphones on. It makes me think of a goofy movie where uh, he's wearing the headphones dancing. If you don't remember, I'll have to show you. Yeah, I don't. Um, but can you tell us just really quick uh, why um, Sasquatch Bigfoot is such a big part of your uh, marketing and advertising with Kaya? Well, um, my son was a big fan of, of the History Channel and watching stories about UFOs and Bigfoot, and I used to tease him about it, saying, you know, that's nonsense, and he always said, you know, Mom, you've got to believe Um, And, of course, the headphones, he uh, loved music and used to spin music, make music. So the Sasquatch with headphones seemed to be a very appropriate um, mascot for our organization, very personal to me. Um, And everybody remembers. I, you know, when I hand, it's very memorable. But also, um, you got to believe. So that resonated with me. I I always hear him say that, Mom, you've got to believe. And I think um, we just tie that into recovery um, and addiction and so many times um, somebody who's early in um, who maybe is in the depths of their addiction can feel that recovery is not attainable Mm -hmm. Um, you know but it is Um, and you know we kind of look at it like you've got to believe believe in yourself believe in recovery believe in the unbelievable Um, and it's so important and so we just felt that that was a great way to tie things into our organization yeah yeah it's great yeah so thank you so much for your time Mara. and uh for all of our listeners definitely check out um come as you are coalition kaya mm-hmm. and uh sign up for their 5k coming up um you have until this coming friday um for the the lower price and the yeah. the shirt and everything and um so definitely want to see you guys out there and uh thank you for your support of kaya and also uh the heart of fog here And we'll see you guys next time. Thank you. Thank you you for joining us for today's episode of The Heart of Fauquier. 
If you loved joining us today, give this podcast a great review and subscribe to keep up with new episodes. If you have an office in Falkir that needs a cleaning service, reach out to Bedrosian Cleaning Services and see how they can serve you. Until next time, thanks for listening.